Hello, welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. I'm Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about Ukraine. It's over a week now since Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered a large-scale military invasion of Ukraine. There have been daily demonstrations against the war here in Barcelona. Catalan News has been there and on today's podcast we'll be bringing you the thoughts, the feelings of some of the protesters there. Lots of Ukrainians, as you would imagine, uh, Russians too. As well as that, there's a huge humanitarian aid effort going on to gather materials to send to Ukraine. We visit one of the donation centres at the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church on La Rambla in Barcelona. And we'll also bring you some stories of people who have fled Ukraine for Catalonia. Some of them to come home and others leaving their home and leaving loved ones behind. Joining me today are Gifrey Jordan and Killian Shields. Hi, folks. Hi. Hi, Lorcan. How are you doing? Lorcan, how are you? I'm not too bad. Folks, Catalonia is home to almost 25,000 Ukrainian nationals. Uh, it's a very sizable community, actually. And as you would expect, I suppose, in the last week or so, they've been very visible and very vocal, haven't they? Absolutely. I mean, we've, we've witnessed from minute one of this conflict loads of Ukrainians taking to the streets, doing all sorts of initiatives in order to help their, uh, their people in their land. It's, it's been amazing, I'd say, all this very quick reaction. Mm, it's been amazing. And I would add to that, like, I think quite overwhelming as well. Morgan, you just mentioned 25,000 Ukrainian nationals living here. I mean, I, along with all of them, are probably glued to the news every waking moment, seeing how things develop. And yeah, it's been quite a heavy, heavy week or so. I think it's very good to, now that you mentioned that we are glued to the news, it's a very good moment to say that we are glad to be like free press, uh, like uh, some, some, some media at the moment are not free. And, and we are trying to be part of this international effort to, to make decent reporting about this situation, uh, which gives uh, some, some point of view that can help the people who are there and, and, and can help raise awareness about all this conflict. And yeah, yeah, our admiration to those who are even inside Ukraine working. Killian, well, both of you and everyone here on the Catalan News team has been out at the protests this week. Uh, so why don't we take a listen now to Killian, uh, your report, which, Kiefer, you mentioned from minute one. So we're going to go right back to when the news broke and the reaction from that first protest. Let's take a listen. Just a few short hours after Vladimir Putin's forces began their invasion of Ukraine, the first protest against the war gathered up to 100 people outside the Russian consulate in Barcelona. There was a strong sense of sadness and shock among the group. Andriy Olinek felt compelled to go to the protest despite not knowing anybody else there. He described his immediate reaction to the news. Well, I'll be honest with you, like this morning I started crying because I don't like my all my relatives live there. Uh, thankfully, my parents and my brother are in Ireland, but my pa- my grandparents, my uncles, my uncles, aunts, they all live there, and they're all you know in danger. So it's very overwhelming. Like my head's going crazy. Like you know, I'm, they're bombing uh, civilians. They're bombing fucking c- civilians. Like you know, it's it's crazy. Like you know, it's not even. They said they're going to only bomb like uh, you know military, but they're. Bombing civilians like the first flag that I spotted when I arrived was not actually a Ukrainian one but a Russian one. However, there was no tension at all, as a small group of Russian nationals had joined in to protest against the war. 
One of them, Nina Potapova, described her shock to Catalan news. It was so crazy to, to think even about the idea that the actual war will happen now in 21st century and it will be a Russia aggressor again. So I feel ashamed because I'm Russian and this is my country who is doing this thing. And also I feel um, sad because the Ukrainians, they are also my brothers and sisters. We have friends, we have families there. And also we are like all humans here. It's just, even if it's a different country, when we have this story in Syria, it's not okay. Nina also wanted to make clear that this war is not being fought in her name or in the name of her fellow citizens, but instead pointed the finger of blame directly at the country's president. Putin is a psycho. And our, our country, they are also suffering because of that. And we don't want to let propaganda to make us feel like enemies. Gana, a Ukrainian living in Catalonia, was accompanied by her mother, who had just fled to Barcelona days before. She worries that the situation could easily escalate into a third world war. I feel fear. I feel anger. I feel desperation because I don't know what me as a citizen of Ukraine living in Barcelona for the last seven years can do to support my country that is being bombed right now. I don't know, you ask me how I feel, I feel terrified that this is happening in 2022. I can't believe that it has been less than 100 years since Second World War and we are on the edge of the Third World War and I, I am not overreacting saying that. That is my mom, yes. She arrived this Sunday with my sister because of the whole threat. She knows the situation and just for the fear of my sister's life, she arrived here. And with all our thoughts and our hearts, we are back there and she especially. Protests have been held in Barcelona every day since the invasion began in the early hours of Thursday morning, February 24th. At them, we've seen many chants and slogans calling Putin a terrorist and a killer, some calling for a no-fly zone to be declared over the country, others calling for Europe to react and, quote, wake up, and many emotional renditions of the Ukrainian national anthem. The first Saturday after the war began saw up to a thousand people gather in the centre of the city. Alex, a Ukrainian, and Alice, from Russia, explained their feelings. Terrible, terrible. I'm, I was trying to work for a couple of days, I just can't. I'm uh, basically 24-7 on the phone with my relatives that are in Odessa, Ukraine right now. I'm checking news every single minute. Impossible, impossible to sleep, impossible to eat. All your thoughts are about this. The fact that you're here and you cannot help that much is even worse. I wanted to say here that I'm deeply sorry for everything that Russian government is doing right now and we shouldn't invade Ukraine for sure. Two Ukrainians in Barcelona, Mikola and Ostap, began a hunger strike the Saturday after the invasion began and camped out in Plaza Catalunya overnight to bring more international attention to the ongoing situation. Mikola told us about his protest. So it was just a spontaneous decision because you were feeling that you need to do something more because your heart was suffering and in a way you feel yourself better when you're suffering than when you're not doing anything. My parents are there uh, right now and they can hear the bombardments all the days. The, the window glass is trembling and they decided not to be evacuated because it's too dangerous outside, uh, especially on the roads and all the 
all the bridges are damaged, so you don't have that much option to be evacuated. Demonstrations are continuing every day in the centre of Barcelona. They've taken differing moods, from an initial sadness and shock, to later anger and defiance. None of us can be sure what's coming next in Eastern Europe, but Ukrainians living in Catalonia are determined to take to the streets to stand by their friends and family back home in whatever way they can. So many emotions there, as you said, Killian, sadness, shock, fear and anger, but also solidarity and defiance and yes absolutely Lorcan that defiance that you mentioned has been on show non-stop uh, and I mean literally non-stop uh, especially the when the hunger strike started from Mikola and Ostap we've had Ukrainians there in Plaza Catalonia ever since camping out they are emulating the Maidan protests that we saw in Ukraine in 2014 once the war started there between Russia and Ukraine we should say we're recording this here. It's Thursday, the 3rd of March. And last night, Wednesday night, actually saw the biggest protests so far. But it's a little bit different from the other ones, wasn't it? Yeah, by far, by far the biggest one. Uh, it was different because it was the first one in which Catalans were involved uh, in taking to the streets and saying no to, to war. It was a bit different too because every night, every uh, night at 6 p.m. in Barcelona's Plaza Catalonia Square, uh, 200, 300, 400 Ukrainians and friends, relatives are gathering there. But last night on Wednesday, we got another protest of entities, Catalan entities, anti-war and anti-NATO, basically, who were uh, protesting too. It's interesting to know that there's been a little bit of controversy because you, the Ukrainians who are protesting every night, they were against the arguments, uh, the manifesto, this entities signed. Why? Because Ukrainians want weapons, they want NATO to be involved, and this speech uh, of no to war, no to weapons, we shouldn't send uh, weapons to Ukraine, they are absolutely against. Um, so, but well, in the end, uh, the demonstration took place. Around 3,500 people attended. But while I was there, uh, the atmosphere was great. There was loads of signs for peace against war. Uh, John Lennon's Imagine song uh, playing there. So the atmosphere was great. But I was wondering why uh, Catalans now here in 2022, they aren't taking this to the streets massively. Hmm. I still remember back in 2003, the demonstrations against uh, Iraq war. I attended one of them, and it was like a million people there. And last night it was 3,000. Maybe in the near future we will have more. But for instance, the government ha didn't go to the, to the protest, at least officially. I guess the main reason was that Spain was, uh, you know, directly involved. Actively sending troops to Iraq. Yeah, yeah against the will of, of the whole population. Mm. There, there's really a lot to unpack there, isn't there, with that kind of schism between the ideas of no to war, no to any violence, and then most Ukrainian people here calling for Europe to step in, calling for NATO to step in as well. Like, on one hand, it's very difficult to say... No, don't send any any weapons because we're seeing on the news uh, residential zones of Ukraine being targeted, being hit. And we're seeing the Ukrainian authorities calling for the civilians to, to take up arms. Anyone under the age of 60 or anyone at all, uh, if you have a passport, can get a weapon. 
But then on the other side, you can see how if NATO were to get involved or if a no-fly zone was to be declared over Ukraine, well, then the escalation into full-scale nuclear war is, is very easy to imagine. It's just a few short steps away. It's very difficult to have any sort of answer for. And yeah. Catalan society is kind of a bit split to, I think, that the most lefty parties, they are like against all sort of weapons and, and stuff. And, and the others uh, are not. Even the Spanish government is split in the issue with the socialists agreeing to send military material and Podemos, the, the, the junior partner in, go- in the government, rejecting it. But in the end, they, they are going to send uh, loads of um, material. Okay, so we'll see how the, those protests develop. Maybe as well, we should say last night, it was kind of a rainy night and in Catalonia. If it rains, it's like nothing happens. So maybe the turnout would be bigger if there's something organised for the weekend, during the day, you know, when, when people could come. But yeah, what's interesting, the Ukrainian protesters, those kind of protests started spontaneously, didn't they? Uh, and what they had to say last night was, nobody wants war, but let's not forget that families cannot be defended from tanks with words. So that was kind of their response to this uh, stop yeah. the war, anti-war platform that uh, organized last night's protest. Now, one of the effects of the war in Ukraine has been, it's created so many refugees. The UN actually said that the exodus of refugees has reached 1 million already. Some of them have come to Catalonia. So uh, we're going to share a couple of stories now with you. One which you'll find on our website on catalannews.com was the story of 32-year-old Uliana and her three children, aged 6, 8 and 11. They went to the town of Gisona, uh, which is like a little Ukraine in the west of Catalonia. The the town only has just over 7,000 people and over a thousand of them are actually Ukrainian nationals. So Juliana went there because she had a relative there. Her sister-in-law, Mariana, has been living in Catalonia for 20 years. Her husband is Catalan. But Juliana's husband stayed behind in Lviv. There's so many people come to this little town. They've already had uh, 10 refugees in total come and they're expecting up to 80 to come uh, in the in the coming days. Let me just say, in case anyone wonders why one in seven people in Gisona, in Western Catalonia, next to Lleida, are from Ukraine, reason is uh, that there's like a big meat manufacturing uh, company uh, called Bonaria. You might have seen some yeah, shops. Yeah, you see the shops, yeah. Yeah, of Bonaria selling all sorts of embutites, uh, yeah, sausages, yeah. meat, stuff like this. And the main plant is there in Gisona, and most of the workers are migrants, um, not very qualified jobs. And well, the story of, of loads of migrants in yeah. Catalonia, they have to face all these non-qualified jobs that Catalans don't want to do. And also then, of course, we've got the stories of people from here who happened to be in Ukraine at the time and then obviously were trying to get out. Kellyanne and Gifrit, you were actually speaking to a couple of people who are involved in the women's football team there and exactly. the set up and the training setup. Yes, exactly. There's actually the manager of Ukraine's women's national football team is from Catalonia. It's Juis Cortez, who was actually the manager of uh, Barça Femini that won the treble last season. Mm-hmm. And the fitness coach, Jordi Escurra, he's actually from Andorra and we caught up with him actually while he was still in Lviv, um, just about 70, 80 kilometers from the Polish border. But they had been in Turkey with the football team in for the past like week just before that this war started they actually only landed in Kiev on the Wednesday before the Thursday that the war started so they were actually woken up in the middle of the night by bombs yeah. um, well let, let's take a listen here's Jordi Escura describing the situation as they made their way from Kiev 
towards the Polish border. I was sleeping and I heard three noises like these that remind me of the bombs that I usually see on TV. But obviously I thought that it should be something different, that it could not be possible. We started the journey around 12, 12.30 and we arrived this morning at 9 a.m. in the morning. Every, every, everybody was stopped. There was no chance of moving. So it was really, really slow. And with this feel that you need to move as fast as possible away from the city. But luckily right now we are in Naif and everything is much, much quieter. We saw plenty of people walking away of the city, just carrying luggage, carrying bags. This is Kaif, it's like five degrees outside. You start walking and where, where you finish. It's The night is coming, the degrees are going, are, are, are lowering. I don't know how they're gonna spend the night. It was, it, was hard, it was hard to see. Obviously, the, the main objective, the objective that we have is to cross the border as soon as possible. So we're in talks with the Spanish embassy and with the Ukrainian Football Federation that they really help us a lot and try to see which one can be the best way to cross the border. Jordi Escura and Luis Cortez eventually made it safely to Poland after a 13-hour train journey from Lviv to cover just 70 kilometers. Uh, I was just looking through his Twitter there. He said, there's a photo of them smiling as they cross the border. He says, don't be fooled by our smiles. We're happy for crossing the border, but in the train there are only women and children. Their fathers and husbands stayed in Ukraine to fight the war. You can see it in their faces. Heartbreaking. And I mean, this is just uh, one story out of well, as the UN have said, over a million people have already fled the country. Yeah, it's funny because this story about uh, Jordi Scura and, and Luis Cortes has loads of parallels with another one of a Catalan footballer called Marc Wall, who happened to be also in Ukraine because he plays for a Ukrainian team at Dnipro. And he also left uh, the country after a 27-hour journey by car. But he said that his Ukrainian teammates had to stay because they must not leave. They are yeah, eligible. To, yeah, they yeah. are eligible to go to war. So, so they had to stay. So, yeah. one way that the community, the Ukrainian community, and also ordinary Catalans here are contributing to uh, support Ukrainians is uh, the huge humanitarian aid effort that's going on. And Gifer, you've been to well. Let's take a listen. Well, you went along to the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church on La Rambla here in Barcelona. Let's take a listen. No tears, no sad faces, no complaints, but no smiles either. No time for any of that at Barcelona's Greek Catholic Church. Number nine on Barcelona's iconic boulevard, La Rambla, not far from the Christopher Columbus statue, hosts this place of worship for a faith with many Ukrainian followers. And as soon as I get in, I can notice the humanitarian task on the way there. Dozens of Ukrainian speakers are rushing to move all sorts of material in the charge hall, sorting it in boxes that are set one next to the other and are labelled in order to make the process more efficient. The procedure needs to be as fast as possible because Ukrainians are in dire need of food, warm clothes and medicines. So from here is where the trucks actually leave. So this is the epicenter. If people want to bring stuff uh, most directly, they can come here. This is Catalina Girona, an American Catalan married to a Ukrainian, one of the activists who works 24-7 to raise awareness in Catalonia 
to persuade locals to take to the streets and protest, welcome refugees, and also donate humanitarian aid. This is where they're sorting things over here, around here, and uh, these are uh, regular clothing, here are children's clothing. You can see uh, hats, socks, uh, turtlenecks, <laughs> blankets, uh, sleeping bag type blanket, Cho hot chocolate, uh, instant hot chocolate, coffee, tea. They have like pasta here and like uh, instant food, like what you would use for camping. Catalina emphasizes that children are the most vulnerable ones in this and all wars. Children's medicine and some more uh, milk, powdered milk. Uh, even soap, I see, Colgate uh, uh, toothpaste, and all of this is uh, medicine, medicine, medicine. Uh, here's more diapers, diapers. Near there, I also meet Catalina's husband, Andriy Antonovsky, who makes it clear this is not like the annual food drive held in Catalonia ahead of Christmas. Andriy's telling me that apart from canned food and warm clothes, they need bulletproof vests and helmets for volunteers who have enrolled in the army. And suddenly, now, there's a big fuss happening. What's going on? A van has just arrived and volunteers rush to pack boxes and load them onto the vehicle. This van and its drivers, along with three more today, are now ready to begin a 2,000-kilometer journey by road to the Polish-Ukrainian border. Thanks for that report, Gifre. And we've produced a map, uh, which you can find on catalannews.com, of the kind of collection points. Uh, so you can find one if you're here in Barcelona or in Catalonia, you can find where to drop stuff off. Absolutely, absolutely. Speaking of humanitarian aid, it comes to my mind now uh, the parallels between the situation now and the one in the 90s, in the mid-90s, during the Bosnian War and the Kosovo, Kosovo War in Catalonia. There were loads of humanitarian aid to... I was like a very small kid, but I remember being at school and, and being told to put my pencils, pens and color pencils in a box because it, uh, because Bosnia, some children in, in a place called Kosovo or Bosnia needed it. We didn't even know what was going on, but it was a huge thing because I was very young and I, and I remember. And because of that, Barcelona and uh, Sarajevo have got uh, a permanent friendship um, status. Mm -hmm. I wonder if this will happen in the future with some Ukrainian town. There were some Ukrainians who happened to be in Catalonia when war broke out. What do we know about them? You know, not the ones that live here, the ones that are on holiday or in business. They haven't been able to return to, to their country. And the Catalan government, in cooperation with the Ukrainian uh, consulate in Barcelona, have arranged a set of uh, hostels for them to be lodged for free. They have uh, food for free too. And I think they are around 100 or even more people in this situation. And the country is getting ready to get loads more. Those who are now in the bordering countries of Ukraine, maybe some of them, if this doesn't end soon, they'll end up being here. So um, these 100 people might end up being loads more. Mm. And, you know, we're kind of, we've mainly been focusing today on like the immediate effects, the protests, the humanitarian effort. Uh, but, you know, it's going to have kind of longer term effects too, isn't it? We're kind of seeing it already in the cultural sphere. There's obviously going to be an economic impact here. Um, so, I mean, we'll be covering this all on catalannews.com. So if you want to see how the crisis is kind of affecting Catalonia, uh, check out our website. 
And if you want to help in any way as well, the best thing to do is to check the Ukrainian consulate's social media because they're constantly posting stuff as well about what you can do to, to, to get involved if you want. Time now for our Catalan phrase. What's it this week, Gifrey? Uh, tenim a la llet. Tenim a la llet, which, well, yeah, llet. literally is to have bad milk. Correct. <laughs> yeah. To it, but, weird, but need a bit of help with that, I think. Yeah, well, basically it's to, to, to be angry all the time and also to be uh, nasty, you know, to be a nasty person, uh, like a bit mean uh, in your intentions, deliberately bad intentions. Right, so if someone's a nasty piece of work, you could say that they have bad That's all we've got time for today. Thank you very much for tuning in, as always. As I said, we have loads of articles and videos on catalannews.com and on our Twitter, our Instagram, etc. of all the ongoing protests here and all of the various stories that we've been talking about today. Gifrey, Killian, thank you very much for joining me today. A pleasure. Thank you, Lorcan. Thank you, Gifrey. We're back again with another episode of Filling the Sink next Saturday. Until then, for me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now. Adeo.